What is up, ambitious listeners? Awesome episode coming at you today with an absolute beast in Erickson Lubin, one of the top young up-and-coming fighters in the game, joins the pod. He is known as the Hammer, and for a good reason. He packs power with his punches, and he's got an explosive personality. It's a fantastic episode. Can't thank Erickson enough for coming on, and that conversation's coming at you after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Liquid IV. It is officially summer, and as the temps get hotter and the sun burns brighter, you're going to need to stay hydrated. You're going to need to keep that energy up to enjoy all the hours of sunshine provided throughout your summer. And the best way to stay hydrated and maintain that energy and focus is with Liquid IV, the one-stop shop for hydration, energy, and all that good stuff you can get with these supplements. My favorite flavors are passion fruit and lemon ginger. I've always loved those. I know I've been giving out some of my liquid IV flavors to some of my friends as well, getting them to sample it as well. They've tried the peach flavor or the pear flavor, I think it is. It it was fantastic. I tried it myself. Great flavor. Liquid IV just keeps coming out with innovative flavors. They are wherever you look at this point. I remember when they started on this podcast, it was just liquidiv.com or check out liquid IV socials. Nope. Whatever store you go to pretty much at this point, Liquid IV is there. Liquid IV is a fantastic supplement, as I mentioned, for hydration, refuel your energy, and do it in a healthy manner. All you have to do is pop one of these packets in with a water and get on with your day. Liquid IV is a fantastic product that I drink on the regular, and I could not recommend it enough. So please check out Liquid IV in your local stores, as well as liquidiv.com. That's liquidiv.com. And now back to the show. What is up and welcome to Ambitious with Dylan Price. My name is Dylan Price and joining me today is one of the top boxers in the world. He showed immense heart and immense talent on numerous occasions with a record of 24 wins and two losses fighting out of Orlando, Florida. He is Erickson the Hammer Lubin. Erickson, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Dylan. So really, I want to get to know you back to the start of your career. So when did you start boxing, and when did you realize that this was your passion? Um, I started boxing probably like four or five years old. Um, my brother, he was, you know, he was old, he's older than I am. So when you got an older brother, you want to like pretty much do what he does. And he was going to the boxing gym every day. So I seen, you know, that that's who I was always around and who I looked up to. So he. You know, he'll come back home and just teach me boxing any way he could. We'll go in the garage for a while. And then, you know, when I started competing in tournaments, that's when I knew I was real good because I'll go to the boxing gym and then I'll spar with guys older than me, bigger than me. Then I'll be beating them up, and I was young. And then when I went to the tournaments, I started winning tournaments, and I knew, you know, this is for me. You know, I'm a boxer. So you got the bite and were hooked immediately then, you could say? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Cause, you know, my my brother, he was, he wasn't easy on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up with a different than any. You know, a lot of the kids. You know, I, I grew up different than a lot of kids. So I just, you know, I always had a tough mindset, a tough mentality. So, you know, it took me far. 
So Erickson, one thing I've respected about you, and it really comes to that mindset you just kind of talked about, is the fact that you've never taken the easy way out. You've always taken the hard fights, and that's something that's very different from a lot of fighters nowadays that take the tune-up fights and kind of take the roundabout way of building their record up. Can you kind of talk about what those decisions are like and why you always have chosen to take the biggest tests possible? I mean, I've always chose the harder route. Um, even when I came into the to the pro into the pro game, you know, I told my handlers and my manager at the time, I told him I wanted to just fight, you know, guys with a winning record. So, you know, even to this day, I, I've never fought anybody. You can look at my box record. I've never fought anybody with a losing record. And that's just, you know, because I'm competitive and I want to be the best. And in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, you know, that's just why I, I don't I don't duck or shy away from any fight. You know, I'm chasing greatness. I'm chasing a, a legacy. So, you know, it starts off by, you know, just beating those type of guys. And then, you know, in, in the near future, we'll be at, you know, even bigger fights. And, you know, I'm just trying to be in that fraternity of the pay-per-views and, you know, the biggest payday. So... Well, you grabbed a lot of headlines early on in your career with your early rise. You were ranked as one of the top 25 under 25 fighters for a while. And you had a great fight again. It's um, Rosario, as you mentioned, um, fairly recently within the last uh, year and a half that got a ton of notoriety. And then the fight with Fondora that drew a ton of headlines. Can you kind of talk about what the fight for you, though, so far in your pro career that's kind of stood out to you as, okay, I really feel like that was my best fight thus far? Um, <clears throat> I would have to say maybe the Jorge Cota fight. I think, you know, me showboating before I knocked him out, you know, drew a lot of uh, attention. There's a few fights I have that were, you know, you know, notarized and people took notice, like the Rosario fight. But for me, I, I have to say uh, the Jorge Cota fight. It was just the atmosphere. It was just being in Brooklyn. And then it was on the Keith Thurman and um, Danny Garcia. I was the co-main event of that car. So it was like that moment for me that was just like real big. And I had a lot of supporters there. So... So getting to fight in New York on a card like that obviously has to be cool. But you really, as you mentioned, you did kind of steal the show with your show-stopping performance. And it's something you do a lot. Have you always been, outside of boxing, someone who draws a lot of attention and is polarizing? Or have you been someone who kind of keeps your head down, but when you're in the ring, you kind of let your fighting do the talking? Um, I'm a little bit of both. You know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't do too much. I don't, I don't say too much. But you know, you can feel my presence. Um, I don't. I don't feel like. I don't feel like. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I say too much or do too much. I'm just. I'm just real subtle, and you know, when it's time to fight, I go in there and just give it my all. So coming off the Fundora fight, um, I've listened to you talk a lot about, and really going back to the Charlo fight, which. Looking at the two losses in a otherwise perfect career, you mentioned having said in the past that you know people were satisfied when you lost to Charla, where people kind of went down on you for taking that shot early in your career, or then even with the Fondora fight. How do you kind of deal with sometimes the negativity of the fans and really the media? Um, the way I deal with them, I just kind of uh, well, it was different this time. 
it was different this time because with the Charlo fight, I feel like um, a lot of people were just bashing me and, you know, telling me I'm a hype and all that type of stuff, which I didn't even pay attention to that, you mm-hmm. know, during that time. I didn't really pay attention to it because I knew I'd be right back in this position. So um, it was different because after the Fandora fight, you know, more people were praising me and telling me I'm a warrior and telling me this, and it's, it's a loss. So, you know, I don't really, I don't really, losses don't really sit well with me. So, like, it, it's it's a little different for me, but, you know, I'm just going, I'm, I'm back in the drawing board and, you know, I'm, st- I'm still in the same position, you know, just, you know, took the L with, to Fandora. They're ready to put me back into, you know, the bigger fights for my, my shoulder hill, so... I'm not really worried. I know I'm going to be back. I know I'm going to be world champion. Well, there's no doubt in my mind, at least, that you will be a world champion someday. And one of those other big things that stuck out to me is your heart. As you mentioned, the Fundora fight, a shoulder injury. Can you kind of take my audience through what that fight was like for you? Obviously, it's come out now about having an injury and fighting through that and showing that immense heart. But can you kind of explain what you were dealing with? I mean, it was different for me. Um, I, I injured my shoulder. I separated my AC joint. Probably like the, it was early in the fight. I don't know like what exact round it was, but it was early in the fight. Um, it, it became it, it became a point where I uh, I couldn't jab anymore, so I had to get on the inside. And the only punch I was able to throw was a hook, my right hook. If you go if you go back and look at the fight, I stopped jabbing after a while because it started to hurt me. <clears throat> But then when I um when I throw a hook, it felt fine. So I was trying to just get on the inside and I was just trying to crank a hook on him. And that's what that's what initially hurt him in the seventh round was the hook. No, it just wasn't the combination punching. If you go back and watch the fight, I hit him with a hook and he wobbled a little bit. And I seen it. Even though I had one eye during the time, I seen it. And then I just went on the attack and I, I was able to floor him. But you know, um after I floored him, it was just like um you know, he he gained more energy. He was he was still durable. He was still ready to fight. He was in shape like I was. So me fighting with just one hand, it was just it was difficult for me. And then I'm fighting somebody, you know, damn near seven foot. So it was just a, it was a big challenge for me. But I'm willing to do it again. Do you want the rematch with Fundora at some point? Absolutely, yeah. It really was one of the most entertaining fights of the year thus far. Both of you showed a lot of heart in that fight, especially you dealing with what you were doing with. Uh, when your trainer, Kevin Cunningham, a fantastic trainer, kind of mentioned that it was time to end the fight, were you upset or did you kind of just take it in stride knowing, okay, yeah, I'm hurt. It's probably for the best for my long-term health. No, nah, you know, um, I, got, I got a warrior spirit, mm-hmm. but, you know, Kevin, he has, he has an eye for boxing, so... Whatever he's seen, he made the best decision for me. But if it was up to me, if I was my own trainer in my own corner, I'd probably, you know, keep it going because, you know, that's just who I am as a fighter and a warrior. But I think he made a good decision. You know, my face was definitely swollen and lacerated, and he just didn't know, you know, what could be under that. He didn't know what type of injuries I had. And, you know, and then it became a point where I went back to the corner and my my cut man... um, he told me that's not much he can do. He said, there's not much I can do anymore. He said, I, I don't know what to do. He just he was confused. And I think that right there put the icing on the cake for Kevin. You know, he put the cherry on top. He was just like, you know what? It's just time to, you know, he, he's seen enough. And Fandora was coming on strong. I had one arm. You know, there's a lot that played into it. And I see why he did it. So I don't really fault Kevin. Still in the gym with Kevin. You know, we, we, 
we're gonna we're gonna be right back. So you mentioned be right. You're gonna be right back. Only. 26 years old, ample amount of time left in your career at this point, and still one of the best active super welterweights in the world. So what is next for you? Is there a timetable? Obviously, you mentioned dealing with your shoulder and when that heals up, but is there a timetable when you want to be back in the ring? I mean, I want to be back in the ring as soon as possible, but, um, you know, I, I think that was just like, uh, <clears throat> that was a problem for me just these past few years. I've been fighting, you know, just one time every year. Um, the last time I fought a couple times a year was just uh, 2019. So I definitely want to be back active. I want to be able to fight two, three times a year. And, you know, that, with activity like that and staying busy, um, I think, it, you know, that plays in my favor. Mm -hmm. That plays in my favor. And, it, you know, it keeps me warm. It keeps me, you know, busy. So I think I'll be back in the ring probably around September, maybe October. You know, whenever whenever they want me back in the ring, whenever they show the hills, um, I'll be right back in the ring. I know you mentioned Fondora, but are there other guys on that list that you have circled that you want to fight with soon? Man, I, I want to fight with everybody. I want to fight with Fondora. <laughs> I still want to fight with Charles Lowe. I still mm -hmm. want to fight with um, Brian Castanio. I think that's a good fight. Um, Tony Harrison, J-Rock, those guys, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think we got the most competitive division in boxing and you know, every fight that you've seen from the 154-pound weight division has been only competitive fights. Guys like, you know, like Charlo versus Castaño. Those are, me and Fundora, those are great fights to make. So, you know, I want to I keep that going. See, this is why I like you. You drop names. You are not afraid to back down from the challenge, and I love it. And I really can't wait to see you back in the ring, and I'm pumped for it. But let's talk a little bit outside the ring. Obviously, a lot of influences throughout your career. Who has been the biggest influence to you outside the ring in your life? Um, the biggest influence? Uh, there's a few. There's a few. You know, I look up to my brother, my dad. Um... My son, my kids, are, you know, a, a big influence to me. Um, Floyd Mayweather, I definitely, you know, I'm influenced by Floyd Mayweather. Um, yeah, those, that's just a short list that I can give you right now. But um, this is probably a longer list. It's, that's a question I really got to think about. But, you know, the guys that I did mention, they, um, even my trainer, Kevin Cunningham, you know, he's a big influence to me because, you know, he keeps me sharp. He keeps me on point. You know, um, he's, like, guiding me not just through my career, but he's guiding me through life and just teaching me, you know, you know how to be a responsible man and how to, you know, take care of business. So I definitely, um, definitely look up to Kevin as well, so... How did, I know you mentioned you have uh, your son. How did, when you had your son, how did that kind of change your perspective on how you handle things in the ring? Did it impact it at all? Or did it impact more, obviously, outside of the ring? Well, it definitely impacted more outside the ring. But, you know, I definitely bring my, my kids. I just had a daughter back in September of last year. But I definitely bring my kids um, into the ring with me. You know, I think about them and... You know, I want to give them everything I've, you know, I, I didn't have as a kid and, and give them the life that, you know, they want. And that's right for them. So I, I definitely bring them into the ring with me and they give me that extra fuel. 
That's awesome. Now, looking back at all you've accomplished, I think my biggest question for you is, at what point in your career did you get the nickname The Hammer? Because it might be the most badass nickname in all of boxing. <laughs> um, I got that nickname back when I was a kid, actually. I was I was real young. Um, you know, I, I think they was picking on me. I had a, you know, I had a big-ass head and little body coming <laughs> out. But... You know, I used to go into the ring and I used to I used to drop bombs on them. So they 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 respected it. They liked what I was um they liked what I was doing. So they gave me the nickname the Hammer, and I just I ran with it, man. It, it fits me perfect. I love it. It really is one of the coolest nicknames in all of boxing. So outside of the ring, obviously you mentioned your kids, but what else are you passionate about? What else are there things you maybe want to accomplish down the road um, outside of the ring? Um. Well. I do a lot of real estate. I'm starting to uh, invest a lot of my money into real estate. You know, I just want to be a great dad. I want to, um, you know, eventually start signing some of my own fighters and, you know, getting into the business of boxing and, you know. But all in all, my biggest goal right now is just to become champion. You know, like, that's the only thing that's on my mind. Every day I wake up, I think about being champion. So all I want to do is become champion. So I'm going to keep working at it and then, you know, the rest will fall into place. So you mentioned fighting in one of the most entertaining weight classes. Really, you said the most entertaining weight class right now. And there's, I concur. I think that statement is 100% um, said with accuracy. But looking to other weight classes, to other fighters, are there a couple other fighters right now that you really like or you kind of try to emulate certain things they do and how you fight today? Oh, my God. I look at I look at all fighters, and if they're doing something that's like you know unique or special, then you know I'm gonna try to if it fits me, then I'm gonna definitely try to like you know use it or or uh, spin it spin it around a little bit. But you know I, I enjoy watching guys like Javante Davis or uh, Shakur Stevenson, Canelo, Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, Duran Ennis. Those guys are all like you know. Um, Great fighters to me. They're all great fighters, and I think, you know, we're all the future of boxing. Devin Haney as well. Devin Haney's team, he just conquered the undisputed title. So I think boxing is in good hands. And, um, you know, I can't wait for these next few months, years, whatever, you know, for these biggest, the, the bigger fights to, you know, take place. And I'm definitely ready to be a part of them. What's a fight outside of your own, a big fight that you could kind of conjure up that you think is one of the ones you'd be most excited for right now, specifically outside of your weight class? Outside of my weight class? Um, obviously, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence, everybody wants to see that fight. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I want to see I want to see Javante Davis and Devin Haney. I want to see Shakur Stevenson and Javante Davis, one of those type of fights. Those, those are all great fights, man. You know, any, anybody you name, Anybody that I just named, you put them together, man, it's, it's going to be a big fight. It's going to be a big fight. So, it know, is. you got to wait. It's a waiting game, I guess. It is really cool to see a lot of these younger guys like yourself, like Haney, like Davis, who have kind of grown in front of our eyes as boxing media and boxing fans in the past few years start to now get to the point where and Shakur Stevenson are all fighting these massive big fights and fighting one another. And it's really cool to see. And it's really, as you mentioned, the 
future boxing is in excellent hands right now. So I definitely think uh, you're a huge part of that. So I got to ask, you know, you mentioned your next fight possibly being in the fall. But if there's one person right now outside of your weight class, I'll stick outside your weight class right now. I know you mentioned Charlo Fondora in your weight class, possibly trying to avenge those losses among a few others. But outside of your weight class, who's one guy you'd want to fight right now? Um, I don't got one. I don't got one. I, I always, like, dreamed of a Canelo fight. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, like, the biggest fight in my opinion. But, you know, with, with the way um, Canelo got <laughs> Canelo, he's he's busy, man. He got a busy schedule, and yes. he's at a, at a higher weight class. You know, this was back when he was at 154 pounds. I used to just, you know, dream of fighting Canelo and stuff like that. But I think the, the more realistic fights might be, uh, you know, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, you know, it's no shade thrown to them. It's just that those are the biggest fights. Those are the biggest fights for me. And I think those, um, you know, it'll make the, the style matchups will make just, you know, a, a great fight. Even Jerron Ennis, I think a fight between me and Jerron Ennis, a fight between me and Errol Spence, a fight between me and Terrence Crawford, those are all big fights. And, you know, and it's and it sounds, and it's realistic though. It's realistic because, those guys are just one weight class below me, so you know you gotta you gotta still pay pay close attention to those type of to those guys, you know. So is that something you'd consider doing? Possibly dropping down a weight class or moving up a weight class for a bigger fight or for an opportunity like that? Um, not right now. Mm-hmm. Right, not right now. My mind is stuck on becoming a hundred fifty four um, champion. You see a guy who just came to mind, like Ryan Garcia, he's someone who kind of put a cap on when he wants his career to end. He said around maybe 30, maybe even sooner. He wants it done. He just wants to finish up his career. Do you have a target date like that where, like, say you hit 28, 29, 30 years old, you're just going to say, you know what, whatever I've accomplished, I've left my resume, I'm done? Or is it, I want to be world champion, I'm not thinking about when this is all done? Um, A little bit of both. Um, I think, I think first of all, I gotta be. I'm gonna be world champion, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, the rest will just, you know, fall into place. Like basically, I don't want to be. I don't want to be very old doing this. I don't want to be late thirties doing this. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to maybe maybe mid thirties or low thirties. I think you know, that's a good cutoff date. You don't want to have to like need boxing. You know, mm-hmm. just invest my money now and then. You know, later in the future, I could just sit back and chill. So we'll take some... Chill my tits. <laughs> That's a good perspective, good perspective. And we'll take this outside the ring a little bit more here. I got to know, I always want to ask fighters this because this is something that I think for me, if I were going to walk in the ring, would be my biggest focus. Probably so wrong. I'd probably get my ass knocked out for thinking about this. But my biggest focus would always be my walkout song. So for you, what is your go-to walkout song? And is there a song you haven't walked out to yet that you really want to walk out to at some point? Um, I usually try to get somebody like that's hot, like you know, to perform or to walk me out because I just feel like I feel like when you actually have like a rapper next to you or or, or somebody that actually sing the song that everybody's familiar with, it just gives you a little bit of. Like you showing out almost. It feels good. Like you feel like all eyes are on you. So I, I usually I le- I usually try to get me a rapper to walk me out. But if not, I just try to put on the hottest song that everybody's familiar with. What was your favorite entrance you've had so far? Um, my Rosario fight. Hmm. Or or actually 
my fight when I fought Noe Bolaños over here in Miami. I walked out with French Montana. Um, he walked he walked me out. It was like my fifth fight. I was fighting some guy with like thirty something fights. So that was like my first. It was almost like a coming out party for me. It was pretty big. That's pretty cool. So in talking about, I know you mentioned Brooklyn. Are there a couple places you'd love to fight someday that you haven't yet? Or is there a place that's kind of risen up and become your favorite place to fight? Um, I want to fight. I want to fight in London. I want to fight in London one day. Ooh. I think that was crazy. Um, I, uh, the Tyson Fury fights he, he's yeah. had in London are great. Um. Even 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 what Devin was just at, what Devin Haney was just at, that was that was beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah, he was walking out to the ring, he was running to the ring, and I just I like that I like that environment, you know. I like that environment, even though the whole crowd was against him. When you come out on top in a situation like that, it just feels good. That that's like uh, he really lived the dream. <laughs> so. In talking to you, and these are last two questions here, two questions I ask everybody who comes on this, and speaking on living the dream, I got to ask you this question, as it is one of the biggest questions I ask. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to have been? Um, I, w- I want everyone to know, I want everyone to know that I never, I never ducked or shied away from any fight, and I want everybody to remember that I beat the best guys, you know, I want to beat the, beat the best guys, fought the best guys. That's just my thing. I want to be world champion, undisputed champion. I want those big fights where it's a, you know, it's a big pay-per-view and everybody's getting ready on a Saturday morning and they ready for the fight tonight, you know, I want that type. Of, I want, I want, I want everybody to, I want to be remembered as one of the best middle, uh, junior middleweights or middleweights in, um, in history. You're getting me hyped up. I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Let's go. Um, my last question for you, man, and thank you again for coming on. Been an absolute pleasure. This one, a little more unorthodox here. I'm not sure you've ever been asked this in an interview, but if you could be any kind of boat, I'm talking sailboat, speedboat, yacht, anything like that, any kind of boat, what boat would you be and why? A boat? A boat. Uh, I'll be a yacht. I'll be a yacht. All right. I've been on a few yachts and I like the vibe. Or I'd be a jet ski. <laughs> All right. I like it. That was a good answer. Erickson, where can the people find you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that, where they can keep up with you and keep up with your career? They can find me on Instagram at Erickson Hammer. Find me on Twitter at Erickson Hammer L. Facebook is just Erickson Lubin. Yeah, follow me. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on, Erickson. It was a pleasure to sit down with you. Amazing, bright things ahead in your future. I can't wait to possibly have you on again someday when you are a champion because it's going to happen pretty soon, and I can't wait to see it, man. So thank you so much for coming on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Dylan. My thanks again to Erickson for hopping on the pod. It was a ton of fun to sit down with him, chat about his career to this point and what lies ahead. I wish him nothing but the best of luck in the future, and he's certainly got a bright one. So thanks again to Erickson for coming on, and thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Ambitious. I know it's been a little off-kilter with scheduling, but for the most part, trying to create content for you guys because... I love to do it, and I hope you guys love to listen to it. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes of Ambitious with Dylan Price, check back through some of our old episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or 
wherever you're listening to this right now, which could be any of those platforms or more. So check out some of our old episodes, like us, give us a review. If you didn't like us, let us know what you think. You could always give any kind of feedback because any kind of feedback is appreciated always. Follow us on Instagram at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter Ambitious with DP, and YouTube is just Dylan Price. Have a fantastic weekend and a fantastic week ahead. Thanks for listening.